Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch podcast, where we keep watch on how much money the movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 24th through the 26th, 2023. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there, or hopefully better than I've been doing uh, lately. Nothing too serious or drastic, just a lot going on in my life that makes it hard to prioritize podcasting at the moment. Um, that said, for the sake of having some sort of continuity in the feed, we have a quick lightning round to go over the number of, the numbers from last week, um, and then the highlights headlines-wise. I know I'm releasing this, um, I'm officially recording and releasing this like Saturday night um, of the following weekend, so I'm just going to backdate this to Friday. Um, but yeah, uh, in any case, in first place, the MCU hung in there with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in its second weekend, $31.9 million in 4,345 theaters, 47,347 per theater average, winning total of $167 million domestic and $362 million worldwide as of last Saturday, Sunday. Now, that number did come in number one, but it did come in at a steep cost. It officially has the worst drop of the entire MCU franchise, uh, 69.9%. Black Widow's Drop, 67.8%, Thor Love and Thunder, 67.6%, and Doctor Strange, 67% flat. So, this is a worrying trend for the MCU lately. Um, on top of this, unlike unlike Black Widow, for example, it can't it can't hide behind the day and date release. Um, and unlike Doctor Strange or Thor: Love and Thunder, those at least opened to 187 and 144 million respectively. Ant Man and the Wasp three only really uh, opened to 100 million dollars. Now, this is also the worst, the fourth worst drop of all time for a film that op- opened to at least 100 million dollars opening night, opening weekend. Behind the eighth Harry Potter film with a 72% drop, uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn and Twilight New Moon both about a 70% drop. Now, I think this is a combination of a couple things. One, the film obviously wasn't that well-received. Um, and two, it's also the fu- in- increasing front-loading of the MCU audience, right? Um, I think the MCU is starting to potentially uh, lose a bit of the general audience nature, right? Like, you know, after Endgame, I think a lot of people, especially with just the surge of all of the Disney Plus TV shows, um, kind of have tuned out of the MCU, um, and Ant-Man being, you know, def- despite the fact that it w- was able to get to 100 million, um, I think that might, that might come at the cost from the longer, the long legs, long tail. Um, Ant-Man, Ant-Man used to be actually a relatively low opening, but a, be- a decent hold film just because it was, you know, decently well-reviewed. Paul was really likable. The comedy was really great. This one taking a bit more of a sci-fi turn didn't really fit with that mold. Uh, on top of that, right, this is Kang's first entry into the MCU. So the core MCU fans who maybe might have waited like a week or two weeks to see it um, ended up all coming in the first week, which pushed its first week numbers up, but now now is affecting the legs negatively down the road. And for you know casual MCU fans who maybe you know weren't down to see it our opening weekend, maybe with half cat caught it in the first or second uh, weekend afterwards. Um, now they're trained by Disney to be like, hey, if I'm not going to see it in theaters with that opening weekend crowd, might as well go and see it, you know, on Disney Plus when it comes in a couple of weeks. So they're going to have to figure out how to rectify this uh, in the future. Um, and again, on top of that, like I mentioned, you know, while this is technically Kang's first outing as the big bad uh, on the big screen, a lot of what he was set up uh, for, you know, with appearing in the Loki film previously and the post credit scene here comes from the Disney Plus TV show, which again, didn't have universal coverage Disney had hoped for. So, you know, I think this is a case of... Um, you know, the, the too much of a good thing, so to speak. And, you know, I mean, review-wise, people are saying that, you know, Ant-Man basically being, um, you know, being able to beat Kang without any real repercussions kind of left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, right? So I think this made me, wa- this makes me wonder, right? Like, you know, I think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is kind of immune, you know, that's one of the most well-regarded, um, well-regarded uh, franchises with, within the MCU. Um, James Gunn has a clear and present voice and it's kind of like this, the, an actual send-off. Like, I think they promised that some Guardians are not going to be making it out alive after this. So, um, 
I think Guardians is going to do really, fairly well, you know, and, and be kind of uh, immune to this MCU lag. But, you know, this makes me wonder how is uh, the Marvel's going to happen, do, do in November, right? Two of the three leads in that film are from the Disney Plus TV shows. So, and without, you know, uh, an, an Endgame uh, boost, uh, you know, the, the hype for Endgame boosting uh, Captain Marvel's profile like it in the first movie, you know, who knows? Um, as far as Ant Man and the Watch, you know, I think this one will be lucky right now. It's it's sigh of six, four hundred million. It'll be lucky to maybe hit 500 million. Definitely, I think 600 million might be out of the question at this point. Um, 500 million would be break even for a 200 million production budget. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out in March, um, including this very weekend I'm recording this, making this look not as likely. In second place, from Universal, we get based on the true-life camp horror slasher film, Cocaine Bear. Box Office Post had forecasted the $13.7 million, vastly overperformed, snorting up $23.2 million in 3,534 theaters for a 6,582 per theater average. Globally, it's made about $28 million as of Sunday. Cinema score was B-, which wasn't bad for this kind of campy film. Uh, 69% critics, 75% audience isn't that savvy either. With a 30 million production budget, I think this one will be moderately successful and, and probably break even and be a little bit profitable. Uh, third place went to Lionsgate with their faith-based film Jesus Revolution, making 15.8 million in 2,475 theaters for 6,517 per theater average, an overperformance of the 10 million forecast from Box Office Pros. This one had an A plus cinema score, and while critics' reviews were kind of mid for with 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score of 99% kind of tracks with the success that faith-based films generally have had and how they're underestimated in forecasting. Uh, with a 15 million production budget, this one will very likely break even if not be profitable very shortly. Fourth place goes to Avatar Way of Water, 4.8 million, 26% drop, 2,495 theaters, 1948 per theater average, domestic gross so far, 665 million. Global, I mean, it's the third highest grossing film of all time. I don't really need to say much more than that. Uh, wrapping up the top five is, of course, our animated mainstay, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, making 4.1 million, or a 23% drop in uh, 2,840 theaters for 14.50 per theater average and a 173 million domestic total to date, just shy of 450 million worldwide. Fun fact: This is the only this with this total, it has officially surpassed Black Adam to be the 10th highest grossing film that debuted in 2022. Um, also, Puss in Boots finally has a date for its release on streaming on Peacock this coming March 10th. Outside the top five, not too much worth reporting on. Um, you know, uh, you know, a la- man called Otto made 100 million worldwide. Uh, Marlowe's in second weekend dropped 68 percent. Somehow the Titanic release is sticking around for a couple more weeks, but yeah, not too much else. Uh, overall, this weekend's coming in at 93.5 million. This coming weekend, we're looking at uh, th- at three wide releases. Creed three is looking at the big as the biggest release. Um, it was originally forecast for 43 million, though uh, numbers this weekend suggest probably higher than that. Um, Consuelos releasing the new Demon Slayer movie, which is actually just the recap of the most recent season and an early look at the new season. Um, and then Lionsgate from Operation Foch and Rouge de Guerre, a, spy, a comedic spy film starring Jason Statham and Abi Plaza, is not forecast to make that much, much about $4 million or so. Also, ahead of the Oscars um, next weekend, uh, RRR is having a re-re-re-release um, ahead of the Oscars, um, you know, even if it's only nominated for Best Original Song. Uh, Headlines-wise, you know, just um, quick earnings support from AMC. The exhibitor had a 287 million net loss uh, for Q4 2022. That's slightly better than what it did in Q3, but is a 15% drop year over year, um, with only two major films as opposed to 2021. Uh, Warner Bros. Discovery had a 2.1 billion loss in Q4 last year, which is slightly better than t- Q3, where they were down 2.3 billion. But still, that's a lot of money lost. Um, Those mostly driven by the acquisition and the on-take of debt. 
Uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King is coming back to theaters April 13th for its 20th anniversary. In addition, WB announced new Lord of the Rings films from New Line, though not remix of the original trilogy, mostly to explore Middle-earth more, so we'll see how that pans out. And then the Super Mario Bros. movie is now aiming for a Wednesday release on April 5th instead of April 7th. Um, no official reason was given, but I suspect this is due to that weekend being Easter weekend. So, you know, if kids, you know, for whatever reason, have that weekend off, um, you know, uh, you know, f- from Wednesday onwards, you know, it, it, which is pretty common, at least in private schools, that seems like a smart play uh, to, you know, ca- soak up some of that cash. And it looks like also, speaking of video game movies, a, a legendary is working on a sequel to Detective Pikachu with Portland director Jonathan Crystal at the helm. And that's it for this very late episode. Uh, Submit ideas for what else to cover via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zenal.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Our shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So make sure you subscribe, leave a review, at the very least tell a friend if any of that helps. Links to all that will be in the show notes. Numbers used in the show comes from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod and competent on filmmusic.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. Elton Luck time has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Mm-hmm.